Hello, and welcome back to Mental Health Spot. This is Oli speaking. Thank you for hanging out with me once again. And if you are under the age of 18, please consult with your parent or guardian before continuing to tune in to my podcast episodes. And with that, let's get started. Let's dive right into our next topic. Um, This particular topic is always a difficult one. You know, I like to vary it up for you guys, you know, a little bit of lightheartedness with a little bit of, you know, humor and then, you know, more serious topics. I like to mix it up. My previous topic was on sexual education and I came to find out that September is Sexual Education Awareness Month. Well, apparently September is also Suicide Awareness Month. And so I want to talk about suicide a little bit because although suicide is the symptom of a greater issue, it deserves its own episode. And I imagine you all agree with that, you know. Um, I do know a lot of people that have taken their lives, people close to me, um, people that haven't been close to me, friends of friends, um, people close to me that have experienced it with loved ones. Um, And I truly believe that is one of the most traumatic things that someone can go through is experiencing the loss of a person who committed suicide. Going through that grief. I think in general, grief is very difficult. Um, Going through a loss of a loved one when someone passed away, you know, due to natural causes, um, it's always difficult. Accidents, always difficult. These are things that don't necessarily um, get easier with time. It just sort of becomes the new normal and you learn to adapt to the new circumstances without that person. But when someone takes their life, it always just leaves this residual um, bad taste in your mouth for lack of a better terminology. And it leaves you asking yourself, could I have done more? And so that's why I'm here. That's why I have this podcast. And so, this is going to be a fairly short episode, but I pray that it's an informative one. Um, I'm already crying because um, I know exactly what I'm going to talk about. Um, At the age of five... I made a friend. I didn't know that she would be my friend forever. I just thought this is going to be some childhood friend that I have 
for a couple of years and I'm going to move on without her. This was my best friend for 21 years. We did everything together. We went on vacations together. We went on outings together. She was always in my house. I was always in hers. There were sleepovers involved. We were attached to the hip. Or is it attached at the hip? Attached at the hip. Um, she was one of my biggest supporters in life. She was my person. She was my pillar of strength. She was... She was everything. She was the sister I never had growing up. Um... She was pretty special. And so I don't want to dive too deeply into it, but I will say she got heavy into drugs. It spiraled. She started making some very poor choices. And it came to the point where, you know, I'm a very involved person. I'm very emotionally involved in all of my relationships, friends, family, lover. I'm very emotionally involved. If I love you, I, I love you. And what happens to you feels like it's happening to me. And I know there's a little bit of codependency to that. I'm working on that, y'all. Okay. But um, in any case, it was starting to really affect me, her decisions, her choices. And I had a conversation with her and I pretty much told her I, I need some space from this relationship. Um, this was after several attempts, of course, of me trying to get her help, of me going to her family, of me going to her other friends. You know, I exhausted all of my resources at that point of me pleading with her, writing her letters, speaking to her about it in person. I exhausted all of my resources at the time. And so I requested space from the relationship. Mind you, that's probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do because this is truly one of the most important individuals to ever exist in my life. Um, my closest, one of my closest relationships, because I have a lot of really, really tight friends. I have another childhood best friend that I'm very close to, same way I was with, um, with her in a different way. You know, um, they're two different people, but both equally played a very meaningful, very important, very crucial role in my upbringing. So they're both really special to me. And I lost one of them, which has been such a journey for me to go through and process but um anyway I told her I needed to take space from the relationship initially she said she understood after a while she expressed that she didn't understand she became defensive about it she tried to hold on at first and I continued to assert my need for space I continued to assert um assert myself and to um maintain my boundaries and eventually she got upset and pretty much decided that she no longer wanted anything to do with me so she ended the friendship i asked for space i didn't cut her off 
that's what I wanted to do at that point because I just couldn't it got to the point where what was happening to her became so much for me to bear um emotionally I started to resent her because she was no longer the person that I knew um and she didn't want to hear it she didn't want to hear anything that wasn't I accept you and your current lifestyle that's what she wanted to hear from me and she was never going to hear it I was never going to endorse it so we had a falling out we didn't speak for about two years two years friends since the age of five and our falling out occurred when I was 26 when I was 28 in 2015 I received a phone call from her sister informing me that she died of a drug overdose water break So, um, I wasn't surprised to hear it. But it didn't hurt any less. But I knew that was the direction that she was going in. If she didn't get the help that I desperately tried to get her. Um, I knew that was coming. And I think it was just something that um, I didn't want to be around to see it. I didn't want to be around to watch her fall. This is the person who always rescued me, who always had my back, who always lifted me. And I'm watching her just completely lose herself to drugs. And so... She died. Um, And to this day, it's a big debate whether or not her overdose was an accident or intentional. But for me, it's suicide. A drug overdose is suicide. You were killing yourself with drugs. And... heartbreaking but I feel like my grieving process started the minute that her and I stopped being friends it started there and it continued throughout um, the years and long after her passing and she passed away four years ago and I think about her every day at least once sometimes you know, more deeply than other times, but she's always there. She's always present in everything I do. And, um, for the longest time I blamed myself and I said to myself, you know, I could have done something differently. I could have done more, you know, maybe my not being friends with her anymore, um, contributed to this. Maybe if I had been her friend, um, 
she wouldn't have done it. You know, your mind starts to go through the different scenarios. And I've made peace with it for several reasons. Number one, I know her so intimately that I know she would not want me to blame myself. I know that as I live and breathe, that she would not want me to blame myself for anything. Number two, I'm not responsible for anyone's actions but my own. And that's something that I really need to drill into myself because my uh, codependent tendencies, there will be an episode about that. I tend to believe that I am responsible for other people and that I can somehow save people, rescue people from themselves. I cannot do that. I cannot do that. You cannot do that. You can encourage someone to get help. You can say, hey, go get help. Hey, I'm here for you. Hey, let's uh, go to an NA meeting, an AA meeting. Let's go somewhere. You can suggest things. You cannot change anyone and you're not responsible for anyone's decisions. And so I think that's just an important reminder for me all of the time. Hopefully it is for you. But I reminded myself of that and I reminded myself that I did everything that I could feasibly do. Everything that I could realistically do. I went to her family. I went to her other friends. I tried to plead with her, reason with her, wrote her letters, talked to her about it in person. I gave her resources. I did what I could feasibly do. And so I had to make peace with it. And I have. It doesn't change the fact that I miss her, that I love her, and that I wish she was here. But I have made peace with the fact that I did everything I could. Would it have made a difference if I was in her life or not? No. Wouldn't it? Because I can't control anyone. People are going to do what they're going to do in spite of you. In any case, um, this is Suicide Awareness Month. Suicide is a symptom of depression. Of a major depressive episode, which may or may not be caused by bipolarity or just depression. Maybe some depression mixed with anxiety. Suicide is a symptom of the greater issue. It's kind of like a diabetic. What are the symptoms of diabetes? Frequent thirst and urination. Well, suicidality, suicidal ideations, suicidal intent is the symptom of depression. 
the equivalent of the frequent thirst and urination aspect of diabetes. How can you tell if someone is suicidal? When people make comments like, the world would be better off without me. Sometimes I don't want to be here anymore. I'm tired of my life. This is too much for me. I don't want to do this anymore. Comments like that. If you hear a comment like that, you are well within your right to ask that person, are you thinking of killing yourself? And it's funny because... (laughs) Because before I went through... Not really funny, but... Ironic, I guess. Um, Before I went through my training, I thought asking a person directly, are you thinking of killing yourself, would put the idea in their head if they weren't thinking about it. And after going through all of my training, they teach you that that's exactly what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to directly ask, are you thinking of killing yourself? Are you thinking of hurting yourself? So do ask that if you believe someone is suicidal. If the person says yes, I would point them into the, you know, into the direction of, um, excuse me, in the direction of the suicide hotline. That number is available online. And if you believe that this person truly is a threat to themselves, I would communicate it to someone in their family. And if that person gets mad at you, that's not your problem. You did nothing wrong. You were being a good friend by informing someone else that could potentially do something about it. Don't keep it to yourself. Worst case, worst case, if you really believe this person is in imminent danger, call 911. Other things to look out for. These people start giving away their things, their belongings. They become withdrawn or isolated. They start to sort of wrap everything up, maybe like get their finances in order or write a will, things like that. They start to kind of like leave everything prepared in the event of a death. What else? They kind of just shut down from the world because they don't want to be talked out of it. You know, Um, so if you see or notice any of those signs, it's fair to assume that someone might be thinking about committing suicide and 
you can either give them the number to the suicide hotline or contact the suicide hotline yourself for for help and how to support this person. You can tell one of their family members or close friends. Worst case, you call 911. This is the thing. But not all of you are therapists out there. What I would do is I would assess for safety. I would process it with them. I would say, are you thinking of killing yourself? If they say yes, I would process that with them. For a lot of people, it's limited to just a thought. And a therapist can assess that. Can assess for that. Is it limited to just a thought? Or is this going to, you know, going in the direction of intent and a plan? There's differences. If someone's thinking about it, but you assess further and you find that there is no plan, you just give them the number to the suicide hotline. You let someone know, hey, this is what happened with so-and-so. Keep an eye on them just to be safe. And you encourage them to get help. And you just you just be supportive and non-judgmental, you know? You just be caring and you just say, I'm, I'm here to support you. I care about you. Please don't say you have so much to live for. Suicide is a selfish act. Don't say that garbage. That is not helpful. All you need to say is, I'm here for you. Thank you for trusting me with this. And, you know, you have my support. That's it. That's it. Don't get fancy. Don't go off on this speech about you got so much to live for. And it's selfish if you do that. And think about your family. I'm here to support you. I love you. I encourage you to get help. I'm glad you opened up to me about this. That's it. Now in my case... I've only Baker acted someone once. She literally said, though, I'm going to go home, write up a, write up a will, and I'm going to kill myself after I'm done writing everything. Like, I'm going to write up, you know, what to do with my body once I'm dead. I'm going to write up, you know, instructions, detailed instructions. And then I'm going to kill myself. I was like, all right, I'm calling 911. Not going to risk it. She was dead serious. But I've had clients express to me like, yes, I've been thinking about it. But, you know, no, I don't have a plan to hurt myself at the moment. And so we usually create like a safety plan or a safety contract. And as of right now, on my watch, um, none of my clients have committed suicide. But... It's a reality some therapists have experienced and it doesn't mean that the therapist was doing a bad job. You know, not necessarily. It's important that we remember that people are responsible for themselves. All we can do is be supportive 
and point people in that in the direction of getting help. So guys, the suicide hotline, it's available online. If you Google suicide hotline, it'll come up. They are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If it's 4 a.m. and you are feeling depressed and you are feeling down, you can call them. It's strictly confidential. It's a great resource. I've used it. When I felt depressed, I have absolutely used it. And it's good to know that you have that kind of support. Um, Also, guys, mental health resources that are available in the community. The Goodman Center at Carlos Albizu University provides mental health counseling on a sliding scale fee. So that's also important for you guys to know. It's a great resource that I love giving out to people because it's come in handy for me in the past and I've seen it come in handy for many people that I've um, sent in that general direction. But be compassionate, be understanding, be loving, be supportive. Do not judge. Do not twist the knife. Do not make people feel worse than how they were already feeling when they expressed that sentiment to you. And don't be afraid to ask directly, are you thinking of killing yourself? Remember, you can help save a life by pointing someone in the direction of help, by being supportive, by just being a listening ear by getting other family members involved or friends. By just being a support, you can save a life. So, at the same time though, if you have ever experienced a loss of a loved one through suicide, it's important that you know that it's not your fault. Thank you for listening to this episode. I appreciate it. And I will catch you guys next time.